Hi, and good morning, everyone, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh in Hiroshima, your host for this episode. And today I have the pleasure of talking to another talk show host, a podcaster, Christopher Schoenwald. Thank you so much for joining today. Yeah, it's great. I'm really looking forward to this.、Um, had it circled on the calendar for a while. So, yeah. Wonderful. And I see that you are also streaming out to a lot of your channels. So, welcome to Christopher's audience. Thank you so much for joining today. Yeah. Now, I love your style and your format. And you always start with a definition of what the person does. So, I thought just for you, it would be really fun to start with simple English Wikipedia what is podcasting? And、right. it is so underwhelming and does not define what you do. It says podcasting is a way to share information as digital audio files. People often subscribe, download, and share podcasts、uh, using a computer and listen to them on an MP3 player. Many podcasts are similar to broadcast radio news or discussion programs. Yeah, I mean, first off,、I'll, what I can say, I mean, they need an update there, an MP3 player. I mean, when, when was that entry put in there? That's the first thing I would go after. It's like but, saying、uh, videotape in this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm probably you would be able to speak to this as well. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it.、Um, I was just speaking with a, a professional broadcaster just recently, it'll be an episode coming out next week. And this was a point of discussion that we had was the actual airtime, which say 45 minutes to an hour, is just a fraction of the amount of work that goes into it. Of course, you have like the preparation, the research, all of that stuff that happens way before you know, the, the broadcast act or the recording actually begins. So、uh, that would be the first thing I would probably add.、Um, and then also, at least for my program,、um, I've Write up these big bios of the, the guests who come on, and that takes a bit of research and digging around and, and the correspondence back and forth with these people trying to get that information. And、uh, once the recording takes place, then you have all the post production stuff that's going on. So, yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a lot to it, but、um, I particularly, for me in particular, I really enjoy each step of,、uh, of it all. I mean, I'm learning and growing along the way as well. I mean, I've been at this for only for about three months now. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think that's incredible that you've only done it for three months. I'm showing your website right now, Life as a.、Uh, let's start with how did you choose the name? You, come, you have a bit of a marketing background.、Um, was that one of the reasons you chose the name? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I. When I was brainstorming about this program and what I wanted it to be, what I wanted it to stand for,、um, yeah, life and kind of the discovery and curiosity and all those things surrounding life were, were part of it. And、uh, there's one other element that I put on the website, and you'll you know, quickly find out.、Um, the focus is on work, and I explore guests. You know, professions、uh, by way of guests from around the world. And I tried to dig into some of the hidden details of the professions, but then also their lives associated with their jobs.、Um, I, I truly, truly believe that, you know, the, the way we see the world, our worldview, if you will, is shaped by what we do every day. I mean, just the simple math of it, you know, say eight hours a day. Globally speaking, that might be the average in Japan, perhaps 10 to 12 hours a day that you're devoting、uh, to your work, to your craft.、Uh, 
um, that definitely has an influence on the way you see the world, the way you interpret things. Um, so it's impossible to ignore that aspect, that, that aspect of, of work. Um, but it all comes back around into this concept of life and living. And uh, yeah, I was just brainstorming a little bit, mind mapped a few ideas, and that one just stuck for me, I suppose. Yeah, it's a great website, uh, very Thanks. easy to navigate. I want to show how you um, do a description and quotes from each episode as well um, in, in a minute. But I love this part about a little bit about you, which I think the audience would like to know more about. So you have this transition picture from Tokyo to Okayama, rural Japan, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, both, both have a lot of meaning to me. Uh, originally, well, I've been in Japan for, since 2003, I guess it would be, I'm losing track to be honest at this point, but I do know I'm approaching 20 years. Um, but yeah, originally I'd, uh, started within this area, uh, Okayama, Hiroshima prefectures, a little bit more rural, if you will, and six or seven years in that area, then moved up to Tokyo, spent six or seven years there and uh and decided to move back and yeah um i'm about six years into well living here once again so yeah it's uh both areas have had a lot of personal sort of meaning to them in terms of my own you know stages of life and living um but i'm sure we're going to get into all of that today on the show I can explain yeah. a little bit more. Uh, just before we move on, I love this picture. Is this your house? It looks beautiful. Uh, yeah, well, that's actually, I've been really lucky in the sense that we have our, our house here and uh, it was built about 12, 13 years ago, but it's on the property of um, almost like a compound, I, I suppose, of this other really old Japanese house uh, that my wife's grandfather had lived in uh, for many, many years. And his family had lived in many, many years. I think the current structure right now is probably close to 150 years old. Um, so it's it's that traditional uh, style. And where that picture you had just shown, it was kind of the, the, the separate, you had the separate little room that probably in its day would have been used for the in-laws or um, you know, the grandparents rather to have stayed in. And during COVID, it was one of my COVID projects to completely renovate that room and turn it into my own little space where I can store all my outdoor gear and do some of my work for this program. So yeah, that's uh, kind of just overlooking this fabulous Japanese garden that uh, yeah, I kind of just fell into and <laughs> lucky enough to, uh, to be able to see every day. Absolutely beautiful. I had a great discussion again with Alex Kerr, who's a mm. famous author, and he has all these amazing remodel projects of old traditional Japanese homes, yeah. but pulling them into modern relevance, making yeah. them comfortable and, and useful for modern people who yeah. don't want to live in a museum. They want to live in a beautiful Japanese aesthetic, mm -hmm. beautiful home, but also be comfortable and be able to live their modern lives. And it looks like you've done a great remodel job here. Well, I tried. I mean, <laughs> slap some paint on the walls and you'd, you know, you'd be amazed at just even something as simple as that and put some flooring in, took out some of that old tatami that had been there for years and years. And yeah, um, again, it was a COVID project. I had lots of time. I wasn't going out probably like, you know, most of us at during that period. So yeah, it's just sort of worked out and uh, I couldn't be happier with it. It's been great. Yeah, gorgeous. And then you've got this gorgeous Japanese style garden behind you. Beautiful. 
Yeah, it's another nice project for the uh, the trimming and uh, the upkeep on it. But uh, but of course, yeah, I'm really truly really blessed to, to to have that and to be able to just kind of spend some time, you know, have a nice cup of coffee in there, especially when the weather's turning as it is now, which is great. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful time of year. Um, originally, you're from Canada, is that right? Yeah, that's right. I'm from a small town in uh, Ontario, Canada called Fort Erie. Shout out there. <laughs> um, it's right across from Buffalo, New York. It's a border town. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting place. It's really quaint, really you know, quite beautiful unto itself. Um, it hugs the the coastline of Lake Erie. It's about twenty minutes south of uh, Niagara Falls as well. So it was an interesting area to to grow up with. Within you know, major tourist attraction there, and of course, going into uh, into America uh, whenever we wanted. So yeah, it was it was it was nice. Although you know, I haven't been back in a while, unfortunately. But uh, hope to uh, this summer. Yeah, I saw some Tim Hortons for sale coffee in uh, Costco, and I I thought, ah, oh, I think my guest tomorrow is from Canada. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I hope it's there again because I yeah I purchased that what a year ago or so, and I was thrilled. I was absolutely over the moon. You know, it's just that taste of home. And I went back uh you know six months later, and it was nowhere to be found. So I was completely gutted when I uh, was unable to find it, but. I really liked Tim Hortons. I took students uh, when I was a university teacher. I often took students study abroad programs. Yeah, and we went to Victoria and Vancouver, and okay. I I was introduced to Tim Hortons, and also introduced to A and W as a Canadian company, which I grew up in America, always thinking A and W was American. Yeah, so that yeah, was yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I'm still waiting for those Tim Hortons. Uh coffee shops to pop up here in Japan, but, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think they're coming. Aren't really? They? I heard. Yeah. I heard a rumor. Maybe, wow. maybe just a rumor. Well, yeah. let's, let's open pray <laughs> on that one. <laughs> um, no, I got an inkling that you might be from Canada because there were a few of your interviewers who were from Canada, yeah. but you've chosen to interview people around the world. I would love to find out how are you finding or how are you thinking of who you want to interview for your show? Yeah, great question. It's an ongoing sort of thing that I'm, you know, constantly sort of, I wouldn't say battling with, but, uh, you know, trying to dig into. Um, yeah, I think part of it has been, well, one, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's great to have a global perspective. I think that's incredibly important, you know, not only for myself, I'm going to learn a lot. But then also, I think for listeners too, it helps to kind of, uh, you know, see things through a different lens, you know, get to understand, you know, somebody else's viewpoint at times. And I feel, you know, that's part of the problem right now that uh, we're having in a global scale, in a sense, you know, this divide or almost tribalism, you could call it, where people aren't necessarily, I don't know, comprehending or understanding the other side or not willing to maybe. And what I wanted to do is at least create these conversations, you know, one that were friendly in nature, and then two allowed for people to uh, to take this information in, you know, listen to it, digest it, um, and then hopefully maybe find a middle ground in a certain sense that will allow them to uh, to see another person's viewpoint. So that was one of the, the the big reasons that I wanted this global sort of spread. And it's still, like I said, it's ongoing. There's certainly still areas within Europe and even within Africa as well that I haven't been able to reach just yet. But again, I'm three months in. Uh, it is on the radar, and it's certainly an area that I want to uh, to, to delve into and attract some guests from that area. Um, in terms of, I guess, how I've been able to, uh, to get some of them. Yeah, it's just, I think it's been, uh, 
through a lot of grit <laughs> and uh you know I, I guess you could call it like some of the, the cold calling uh not doing the calling maybe the cold emailing perhaps you could you could call it um but not so much that there has been some of that in it but um also too it's been a lot of just my own network i think uh i've been lucky enough to have met a lot of interesting people you know just again living in japan for about 20 years and then when i was within uh within tokyo for about six years i was quite active in terms of networking when i had my own business there and uh, i just built a network and when i was deciding to launch this program i thought that would be an excellent resource just to kind of you know reconnect with some of those people that i you know when i'd met them thought what they did was just amazing and uh and it just sort of went from there and you know you have one interesting guest and uh, i've I think it was maybe three, two, three weeks ago. You know, I'd probably at that point had been 13, 12, 13, you know, guests that have been recorded and actually put out. Um, so I just went back to a lot of those people and under the premise that, you know, great people know other great people. And that's kind of just been how it's working. They'll introduce me to somebody else that they think would be an excellent person or an excellent guest on the show. And within their own networks, they have these amazing people that are doing amazing things as well. And it's just sort of been snowballing from there. And once you get a few of these types of people on that are really captivating, uh, I find that uh, they sort of open up new avenues to explore for others. So it's been as simple and as complicated as that, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's great. I think starting from your existing network, it, it kind of sounds like how I started this talk show series, actually. Mm. I just, I didn't know what to do during coronavirus. And I had been doing like in-person training, in-person consulting, a lot of travel, yeah. uh, consulting for the travel industry. That's not going to happen anymore, right? And I was like, what do I do? Right, right, and right. I was really inspired by Gary Vee, who's a very popular social media yeah, uh, of course, yeah. influencer um, in the States. And he was like, just do what you can do. And mm -hmm. if you have a message, keep lifting up other people because yeah. everybody's struggling. So I, like you said, I just started reaching out to people on my Twitter network. Uh, would you be interested in talking? Let's go live. Let's make it yeah. transparent, accountable, yeah. right? Yeah. So people can ask questions and jump on. Yeah, and that's exactly been it, you know, for for you and your program, I know, because I've been following along and you have. I mean, you have had some pretty amazing guests on and uh, it's been really enjoyable. Like you said, it is transparent. And it's one of the nice things about this medium, I find, is that, you know, it, it, it isn't as polished as, say, like a major news network like CNN or something of that nature. But that is the charm of it as well. I think that's what makes it real and that's what makes it authentic. You know, not only for the guests, but for the listeners as well. Um, and I think that's probably fueling a lot of this boom within podcasts and, you know, probably the thousands upon thousands that are constantly going live or, or being launched even, you know, each day around this world. So, yeah. Mm. Plus, we were like, like you do a lot of your interviews via Zoom. Everybody yeah. knows how to use Zoom now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was getting really frustrated with being on a live Zoom call with interesting people and them not engaging with any of the audience. Mm. They weren't really engaging with our questions or comments. And I thought, what a wasted opportunity. Why not just put a video on YouTube? 
and yeah. you know like have no comments which a lot of japanese companies seem to do um but having that element of engaging with a wider audience you don't know who's gonna be listening or who's gonna find your video later and ask you a question or comment i have people and you will find this, Chris, you just started. I have people who are finding old videos from like two years ago and engaging with it new. Wow. And then I'll be excited to go back to that episode and respond to a comment or question. Yeah. So it's it's always evolving and developing. And I think that is one of your key themes of a lot of your interviews. The interviewee often says, I, I feel like I'm I'm still engaged with my topic. I'm still learning. I'm still developing. Mm -hmm. I'm still evolving. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're so passionate continuing about what they do, right? Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I think that's, uh, you know, sort of one of the, I don't know, nuggets of or words of wisdom, if you will, you know, a, about finding passion in what you do is that it's that sort of like that viewpoint of, of trying to constantly learn, uncover new things or, you know, reinterpret things uh, different ways. Uh, if you're able to do those types of things, you can find a lot of joy in, uh, in, in what you do, whatever it might be. Um, so on your website, you have this part where you say, why explore, explore lives through the prism of work? Mm -hmm. um, and so this is kind of like your premise for starting your podcast. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think a big part of that, as I said earlier, is that um, just, again, the sheer amount of hours that we devote to our work, you know, like and within North America or say within Europe, maybe it's eight hours a day, which is still significant, right? Unfortunately, in Japan, maybe it's 10 to 12 hours for the typical Japanese worker. Well, very unfortunate. Um, but either way, you know, even on the low end of things, eight hours a day, um, you add that up over the course of the week. Those hours are significant. And you add in like the, the people that you're working with, you know, the type of work that you're doing the types of conversations that you're having within the workplace, whether it's with, again, colleagues, with clients, whoever it might be, th that type of work is going to have an impact on you, on the way that you interact, the way that you see the world, you know, it has this sort of indelible sort of influence on, you know, your whole worldview. So I think for me, at least in my program to interview people and with this theme of discovering, you know, life and living, it would be an injustice not to address this issue of work. Um, so yeah, I think that it, it was just one of those things that comes part and parcel with this, this experience of life and living. Um, and also too, I think it's just incredibly interesting. That's, you know, one of the things I also mentioned on the site is that, you know, our time is finite. I mean, there's only so much we can do here. And for me, at least, like there's so many other things I would love to be doing. I would love to be exploring, but to get to that point, like, some of these professionals that you're having on your own program or mine or elsewhere, you know, obviously like they put in years and years, you know, only the education, but then the experience. So of course you as an individual, as an individual can't do all of these things. You can't have 20 different careers. I mean, you know, at least maybe you, maybe you could, but it wouldn't be to the same degree of satisfaction or you couldn't explore and, and interact with all that that would offer in that time. So I felt that this show could be a bit of a, I don't know, a cheat code, if you will, to, uh, to at least kind of get, you know, a, a portal into this world. And maybe through listening to the program, you might momentarily sort of lose yourself in the moment and, and imagine what it 
could be like or might be like to actually do that job. So yeah, that's that's definitely one side of it, I would say. Um, but to be honest, uh, there are several several reasons why you know I launched the show as well. That that that's certainly one of them, but uh, it's amongst many others. It's it's like we're all kind of trying to find our feet during mm. coronavirus, right? Like. Yeah. We might have been doing something else before, and this is kind of a transition, like finding ways to connect with other people, yeah. uh, empower them and support them in what they're doing by doing the interviews, highlighting how great that is. And that not only helps you learn, but it also gives you and your audience a roadmap for how they can take risks or they can explore new careers they haven't thought of before, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, that, that's certainly an element too. It's one that I really hadn't considered so much, like the the impact that it has on the, the guest as well. Um, and I, well, now that you bring that up, I've had guests, you know, after their programs have uh, or the recordings have finished a week or two out, that they were being approached by people within their own networks or family and friends who are reaching out to them. And how rewarding that was for them in that sense, just, you know, some of the compliments that were coming their way, but then also too, I guess, like the, the igniting of conversations that they were able to, uh, you know, to have with people that they'd lost touch with. Um, so that's been really nice to hear as well. And then even just yesterday, I had uh, somebody um, who had listened to a program. I just had an interview with an interpreter and translator. And this individual, uh, she herself had been studying uh, in the University of Toronto a couple of years back to become a translator and interpreter but was finding it really difficult because um, all the agencies are asking for experience. What experience do you have? And she didn't have that yet. So just online, just yesterday, I'm like, well, you know, why don't you get in touch with Ricardo, the, the guy I'd interviewed? And uh, and we'd lined that up. And and now they're they're off arranging their own sort of Zoom chat to, to help each other out a little bit there. So, I mean, those little things as well definitely have meaning to me too. Um, but even outside of that, I mean, there's been some of the other things that uh, when I was deciding on whether to do this or why to do this, you know, some of my own personal motivations for this. Um, I had other things written down, like I had this big mind map, this big elaborate mind map of all these reasons. And one of the other ones was as simple as, um, you know, I have two, two kids, you know, nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And I just thought it'd be great, you know, to, to expose them, especially my nine-year-old now, just her age and maturity. Um, she's exploring the world herself. And this podcast has created opportunities where her and I can kind of explore things together and has created a, a different type of dialogue for us. So one, she's like learning about, I don't know, a master cake maker or something that she's interested in. Um, or she'll ask me like, hey, dad, you know, what about uh, what about that guy who's got that machine that takes water out of the air and, you know, gives, you know is able to, to provide that for refugees? And, and we have these really interesting discussions um, which has also been really rewarding. It's been cool because I put this down as a possibility. You know, this could happen. And it's kind of come to fruition where I've had these conversations. And every week when I put up these new episodes, my daughter is always asking about it. And we're having these engaging, engaging talks. So that's been a neat one. Um, and then also, too, I think just for my own you know, learning as well and to sort of satisfy my own needs and you know, curiosity about different, you know, ways of life and living we all already chatted about. So yeah, there's, there's several different layers to it. I find that offer uh, a number of different rewards. So mm, it's, it's been great. Definitely. Um, and I, are you doing this as a side hustle or is this your main thing? 
Um, it's a bit of a side hustle right now, but eventually I have some plans. It was also another thing sort of off in that mind map as well of how we can eventually, you know, monetize something like this. Um, but first and foremost, right now, it's, it's, it's all about just creating great content, you know, yeah. one episode at a time and uh, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think as you're building your brand and being consistent and being uh, working with integrity, um, yeah. you will start to get leads. And this reminds me of something that one of your guests um, said, which I want to bring up in a minute. But Wendy has joined from Facebook. Great comment, Wendy. Uh, she says, Christopher, what a great premise. Happy the both of you are connecting with people and exploring the richness of life. Japan and elsewhere. These are times to make these connections and reflect. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally agree with that, Wendy. Thanks. Um, now, I had just watched an episode that you did with Cindy Mullins. Yeah. And you do this great thing in your podcast where you have this words of wisdom uh, part and you have quotes uh, in the posts that you do on your website. Mm. And one thing that I, I really appreciated from Cindy's talk is her saying that she became so passionate about uh, what she was doing and learning how to improve what her career was in publishing and and so yeah. she kept training and she kept meeting people and going to conferences and listening to things. And then she said opportunities just started coming. Yeah. And she felt like she hasn't worked a day in her life now because she just loves what she does. Yeah. Um, yeah. This seems to be a common theme from a lot of your interviewees, right? I think so. I think so. I think there's 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 a bit of words of wisdom right there, you know, for listeners of, of this program or this show right now is, is that is if you can find into find that if you can tap into that feeling or that emotion, it is it's like Cindy said, it's, it's going to open up a whole bunch of new opportunities for you. And then as that starts to occur, I mean, that's where the enjoyment's going to come, you know, and you're, you're going to be sort of treated to, to new worlds, uh, you know, new chances to to build your business or to to build your career, perhaps that way. And yeah, Cindy in particular, she's probably the the, the most well connected person that I've ever come across in my days of, uh, especially within Tokyo. I think she knows everybody in town, and uh, and beyond that, yeah, she is a happy person. I would say, and part of that is a lot of the satis satisfaction that she derives from those personal interactions. And and I, I might add as well, like she's the very first person that would go out of her way to kind of help you out. She'll ask, you know, what do you need? What are you after? And she'll try to serve those needs first and foremost. And guess what? I mean, those things come back around. People don't forget about that, uh, about those sort of those acts. And uh, and I think they probably come back tenfold for, you know, for her uh, and for anyone who uh, engages in that type of activity. So, yeah, it was really great to, to speak with her and uh, to hear that. And that quote in particular did uh, stick out for me. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you, the first episode I listened to, you talked with uh, Rosella mm -hmm. uh, Boton, who's a UN vulnerability analysis advisor. Yeah, and her job is intense. Like, how does someone do that job and not burn out? Yeah, it is just incredible. And that was such a great interview, and her talking about. Uh, following her passion, not becoming cold to mm. the experiences of engaging with people in such dire need, yeah. trying to be human as yeah. a part of the process. Yeah. Amazing. 
Yeah, she uh, she had mentioned early on uh, in her career when she was just starting out that it, it's must be incredibly difficult, right? You're, you're going into sometimes like war ravaged communities or ones that have been affected by natural disasters. And her job is to basically go and meet with these people and find out what their needs are, find out what their challenges or hardships are. So then she can gather all that information, take it back to, uh, to the office and, and meet with the other people that are doing similar work to formulate a plan, you know, for uh, the world food program, which is you know, where she works. And she said in her early days, one of the things was that she would invest so much of herself into these, in these talks with these people. And, um, of course she, you know, she wanted to help them in any way she could, but by doing so, she was investing herself so much or to the point where it was affecting her ability to do her job. Well, it was, she was just getting too emotional is what she had said. And gradually she was able to kind of find a happy medium somewhere in the middle, maybe not way over here, but somewhere in the middle where she could still do her job very well but still remain, you know, or still have high levels of empathy. Um, and yeah, it, it was a, a journey, a self journey for her, the way she described it. Um, but she was able to, to eventually reach that point. And um, yeah, wow, what an interview that was with her. I mean, I think I'd mentioned a couple of times when I was speaking with her, like what, I, I just kept getting this, this vibe or this feeling of this just like big heart, you know, this big heart of what she was doing and what she represented. Um, and truly, I mean, you know, if we had more people like Rosella in the world, we'd be uh, certainly better off for it. Yeah, it was a really, really nice interview. I, I loved her um, idea of how she connects with people um, because she's a mother. Yeah. And she talks about her experiences as a mother and raising mm -hmm. four kids as a way to engage with people who she meets around the world, who yeah. she's trying to help. But as someone coming in from the outside, we know this for a variety of experiences and jobs coming in from the outside, it's difficult for the local people to trust you and engage with you as a real person, not just a person doing a job, right? Yeah. yeah. So it, that was her point of entry was talking about her own kids and being a mother. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, she'd mentioned, I think, some of the, like the, I don't know, the, those barriers essentially, you know, coming in as this official United Nations official, like, you know, the, the outward perceptions, like, what do you know about my life? And what do you know about, you know, what I'm experiencing right now? But you're right. And exactly what she had said was that she would just connect with them on a, on a humanistic level as a, as a mother, as someone who has children. And, you know, it's a, it's a common element that we all share. And uh, it, it, like you said, that was her, her way into, uh, to kind of break down those barriers and create opportunities for that empathy to, to start taking place where she could start to serve their needs. So yeah, it was, it was a really nice talk. And that story where she just joins migrants walking yeah. um, to understand their experience better. Right, right. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just, yeah, it's talks like that, that stick with you. You know, they do. And I'm sure you've had uh, quite a few guests on as well that uh, you've had similar experiences where you know, you, there's so many things, there's so much information flying around. But afterwards, as you're reflecting, you know, there's certain certain points or certain tidbits of information that are just you just know are going to stick with you forever. Um, messages or things, like sources of inspiration. And uh, in that talk in particular with Rosella, and there was a ton for me personally. So I'm glad to hear that uh, that you also were able to, to, to get something from it too. 
Yeah, uh, that's one of the things I really like about your format uh, is that you take a quote from every episode and you post, you have a post uh, describing the episode, describing the person, but also you give the quote. Uh, this is from Rosella Boton. I think empathy is at the core of our job. If you don't put yourself in the position of the people you interview, it's very difficult to understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, just it, it resonated with me when I heard it, and uh, you know, I'm thrilled to hear that uh, that it's reaching somebody else and hitting somebody else in a different way as well, like yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. Um, it, it as a, a content creator, as an interviewer, as a podcaster, it really hit with me as well. And mm. I really try to respect the time of the interviewee. Um, I do my research. I read the books. I dive into their videos yeah, and podcasts yeah. before, right? Yeah. And I'm so happy when the guest says, thank you for doing that. Thanks for mm. doing all the research. And, and you listen to sometimes other interviews and you're like, wow, that person did not do any research yeah, yeah. on that person. How did they do that? Right. Why? How right. disrespectful. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, it, it really it's really quite simple to kind of, kind of notice that difference, you know, like, like yourself today. I mean, and bring up all these, uh, um, these different examples on my website and then some of the interviews, some of the talks, like I can clearly, you know, clearly understand that you've certainly done your research on it. And which is great in the sense that like, it allows us to have these kind of more in-depth sort of conversations, which ultimately are going to serve the listeners needs as well. So yeah, it's a complete disservice when that unfortunately doesn't take place, but uh, at least we're both on the same page when it comes to that. So I know your guests and your listeners have certainly been treated to that uh, along the way um, and everything that I've seen in your talk. So it's, it's part of how I want to run my business. It's yeah. part of how I want to live my life. Yeah. I, I want to show respect for other people, but I also mm. want to do things of quality that are mm. going to last for a long time. So I see this in what you're doing too, Christopher. Um, you are creating high quality content, which will last. You're mm. not just doing trendy things which are fun to watch and nobody's going to care about in a year's time. Yeah. I think what you're putting out there is going to serve as content that people want to watch and learn from for many years. So well, you're doing so. a great job. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, part of it as well, I think for me is that, you know, I've been around youth. Uh, you know, in my early days of teaching within Japan. And, you know, I, I think, again, just comes back to, to personality and, and wanting to to create, like you said, good content that is going to be valuable and useful to people. And um, one of the early comments that I, I received uh, about one of the episodes, I can't even remember which episode it was now, to be honest, but um, I think it was a parent who had written a comment in Facebook or elsewhere Saying like, oh, I just, I, you know, I'd wished that I had had something like an ax or a, a resource like this when I was in high school, and you know, when I was trying to decide what to study when I was going to go to university, you know, and rather than just like the standard professions, you know, a police officer, a teacher, this or that, a nurse, a doctor, because there's so much out there, right? There's so many things out there, and that one stuck with me um, for obvious reasons. I mean, that's part of the motivation as well. It's another thing within my mind map that I put out there earlier. Uh, that I think is important, you know, like I, I want to create opportunities, not only for my daughter to see, but for an, anyone and everyone. I mean, I remember going through this as well. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do when I, you know, finish university? What do I want to do before I go into university? You know, those are major decisions, obviously, what you're going to study, the area of focus, all these things. 
And uh, there's only so much I think you can get from a dry Wikipedia sort of entry, you know, to be honest. So to have an opportunity to to not only like listen and, and even watch, I've got a YouTube channel going now too, watch interviews um, and also even contact details for some of these guests. Uh, some of them are willing to share that. I think it's a great resource for people and especially youth who are trying to, to navigate this world and find out what is available to them. So I think that's another thing that just, you know, I, I certainly don't want to be overlooked. You know, I think it serves those needs as well. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for those comments. They, uh, you know, they mean a lot. No, absolutely. And you've just started uh, just three months ago. So I, I often get uh, students contacting mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And saying, I just found all your videos. And today, Christopher, you are number 366 wow. since wow. I started two years ago. And so you start doing categories yeah. on your on your website yeah. or on your YouTube channel or on your podcast. And then people who are looking for that content in particular yeah. are just going to binge watch. Yeah. Yeah. all of that or binge listen yeah all of that right exactly that's sort of the plan for me right now I'm, I'm aiming to get through about a year maybe well eight months maybe worth and then once i have that i'm, I'm not putting in as many videos out as you are right now about once a week but probably by about eight to ten month mark i'll have enough that you know once i create these categories on the website that you're right people will be able to go into i don't know you know environmental sustainability, you know, and like, look at all the different listings there, or maybe it was in business or finance or entrepreneurship um, and explore all the, the different possibilities out there. So yeah, it's definitely something in the works just step by well, step. You have, you have such a wide variety of, of categories right now, but I think you'll start to see certain themes mm. um, that seem to make sense to make a playlist or something. Right. Oh, um, sure, yeah. I think I've got too many categories. <laughs> <laughs> but one fun thing is I've had repeat guests. And mm. so if someone is on my show five or six times, I'll make their own playlist and then keep adding to it. And they seem to think that's really fun. And they'll yeah. share their playlist on their website. And that's kind of a fun thing, too. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So you've, you've interviewed a winemaker. Now, an Australian winemaker. I found this episode really interesting. Um, she is like traveling around the world and she loves to travel to places where she can make wine. This is something I'd never heard of before. Yeah, um, she is also making vegan wine and she's not a vegan herself, but she noticed that there is demand there, that people want transparency in how it's made. And I thought that was so interesting. Of course, we're trying to reduce our meat and dairy and fish intake because we know there's high carbon impact from that. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of people searching for vegan wine. And then you start questioning, wait a second, isn't all wine vegan? And it's not, right? Yeah. So right. there is a huge market for doing vegan wine or something. So that was really interesting as a business, like to stand out in your business to do something like that. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, part of it as well as I mean, this it's exploration, you know, for, for not only the listeners, but for myself as well. When I heard these, these things, like I, I had no idea, I mean, that there was such a thing as vegan wines. And uh, I think she'd mentioned it, it's milk that goes into it to kind of, ah, I forget the word, 
bring it together, I suppose, at times, the, the, the wine, I don't know, there's a certain in the, in the process of winemaking, um, there is a step where sometimes you, you need to add that milk to, yeah, to, to, to help complete the process, I suppose. Um, but not it's always. Kind of yeah. filter. Yeah, which maybe. is it's an issue for beer. Uh, it can be an issue for sake, I've heard. There is a kind of fish filter used to clarify it, yeah. to take out any impurities or something. That's right, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a fish filter um, in the wine industry. She talked about it on your show a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but so there's some beers in Japan that aren't, aren't vegan vegetarian because they use this fish filter so you can search that online but it's such a big surprise right, right? so exactly. i think this this kind of labeling transparency is definitely a growing part of business um people want to know yeah how their product is made and what yeah. is the carbon impact of their product and i think this is definitely something to think about in japan but all over the world Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's right down your alley, obviously, with uh, the sustainability issues. Um, I know in my program, it's funny, there's certain topics that come up over and over again in various parts of the segments. There's one segment right at the end. It's a crystal ball segment where it's basically like highlighting trends and predictions within the future. And I would say nine times out of 10, it's always linking back to these two topics. One is technology and one is the environment. And sometimes both they're together, right? But um, yeah, those two are almost inescapable uh, in that sense. You know, one from say the tech perspective of maybe how this technology might influence our ability to produce this product or service more efficiently, which will in turn hopefully like lessen the impact on the environment. So that, that'd be an example of how something is you know brought in together this tech and environment for being uh, brought together. And sometimes it's just straight up you know environmental. You know, sustainability issues um, that that yeah are, are constantly um, you know top of mind awareness and coming back to that Australian winemaker you know issues like I guess what you were just speaking about um, but then also too just like you know, for her within Australia in the last couple of years like the amount of wildfires and and the the, the dryness obviously within the climate there is something that uh, is certainly a concern for winemakers, obviously with irrigation issues and water related issues, that whole industry has to adapt. They have to, I think what she was saying was um, look at the different types of fruits that they would put into the wine. Maybe say 10 years ago, it might've been this selection, but now based on climate change, they're having to look and re-examine sort of that, that process and what would be best. Like what's a different type of crop that would grow uh, well, well enough that they could actually use to, to make wine with. So, I mean, there's one example, but almost, like I said, every episode, it's, it's linking back to these two areas. Um, and it's absolutely fascinating because, you know, part of the, again, another part of the premise of my program is to start raising awareness and having discussion about these issues. You know, as I'm discovering a lot of this uh, information, I'm hoping that listeners are as well. And uh, that in turn can help, you know, somebody make maybe know some decisions in their own life about how they might be able to lessen the the impact uh on the environment and so on and so forth so yeah yeah uh, one of the other uh points that i really 
admired from her episode was about family mm-hmm. and how she's a single mother, um, but she has such great support networks um, of her family and friends. And I, I hear this a lot in my interviews of, especially female entrepreneurs who are mm-hmm. trying to do new things, uh, trying to take risks. Um, We know that our support network is so important. There is no way I would have lasted two years and 366 episodes without a great network of people not only supporting the show, but my family, you know, so that is definitely a common theme of your interviews as well, right? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I probably couldn't explain it any better than we, the way that you just did. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, to, it's almost like that circle. It starts here within the family and you have that support there. And then it sort of like goes out you know, into your network, your friends, your associates. And without that, yeah, it's really tough to get much of anything done. And uh, I could certainly attest to that as well and what I'm doing also right now. So wholeheartedly agree. But that, that goes to what we're doing today. Uh, collaborating, right? And and reaching out to other people uh, with similar goals or interests or businesses and trying to collaborate on projects, I think is also really important. So uh, I'm excited about our collaboration. Yeah, today. most definitely. Yeah, a bit of a spoiler alert right now. Um, after this, you know, live talk, uh, Joy and I are going to be uh, sitting down and having a recording where she'll be a, a guest on Life As A. So I'm really excited to have her on. And uh, yeah. Uh, put it out there to to your listeners and then hopefully a bunch of other people that will be able to uh, explore and, and get to know uh, you and what you do. Yeah, really yeah. exciting. Um, and it's it's a different group. It's a different audience. It's a different field, you know. Mm. And um, this is another thing that I, I find really interesting from your interviews. So, for example, you interviewed a master cake artisan and illusionist, April Julian. Yeah. And she's doing it as a side hustle. She is so talented. Not for and long, I don't think. <laughs> Not for long. Like, she's hugely popular people well, really yeah she, she is she does, now right? yeah yeah this this was a really fun story and this was again it's just kind of these funny experiences that you know in doing something like this that just open your world up in so many ways and this is like the absolute perfect example i would say is uh i i, I didn't know her i didn't have any direct contact with her at all uh somebody had shared uh, I think like an Instagram reel, short video clips or compilation clips of some of her work. You know, it's these hyper-realistic cakes that she makes, like like a fish, like or of of just about anything she could make. This microphone, for example, and uh, and it was just amazing. I mean, it blew me away. And to be honest, I was trying to get a guest on the show a few weeks earlier, or maybe a month earlier, and I just couldn't. It just wasn't working out. So I'd almost given up on that idea. And then this Instagram reel came out, and I just like, well what the heck, I'll just contact her. And, uh, and so I did. And lucky for me, she, uh, she agreed to, to come on the show. And what made this really interesting, though, was that she was also about to go, well, she'd already recorded all these episodes for this Netflix show. Is it cake? Is it what it's called? And it's hosted by this famous uh, comedian, uh, Saturday Night Live comedian, North American folks would know it's a very popular show. Uh, so a celebrity host is on it. And then it's this girl, April Julian, amongst uh, seven other contestants where they have to compete against one another and creating, there you go, that's that's cake right there. That The whole thing is cake. Um, they have to compete against one another in terms of you know trying to fool celebrity judges, basically. It's the premise of the show and it's eight episodes. 
But what made it fun was that um, our recording date for her involvement on my show was, was it March 18th, Friday, um, Japan time. So it would have been March 17th for her. Now, that show, that Netflix show, was debuting March 18th, North American time. So I literally had her on the show, on my program, hours before her world was going to completely blow up. You know, completely blow up. Um, and yeah, we just had this really engaging talk. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it is over on YouTube, as you can see it on the screen right now. This is just a slideshow, but it does launch eventually into a discussion. But yeah, again, like look at this stuff here, right? Like that is all cake. Um, but, uh, basically the show has become an overnight sensation, uh, a couple days after it launching, I think it hit number one on Netflix in the U S and then a couple days later, number one in Canada as well. And, you know, her world is completely just like flipped overnight. And we were talking about this potentially happening, you know, during our episode. And I was just even post, uh, post interview, I you know, sent her a couple of messages saying like, April, are you ready? It's about to go off. It's about to go off. And, uh, she's such a genuine and, and nice personality that she was just playing it, you know, downplaying it all. But sure enough. Yeah. Uh, the media requests started coming in hard and heavy and almost every day I sort of tune in and I see some of her posts on Instagram and oh it's L the fashion magazine that's featuring her today and tomorrow it's this and the next day it's this so like it was just wild and I felt like I was just kind of like riding in the wake of this major sort of happening and again like three months earlier nothing like this would have been happening in my own sort of like little world. And uh, just to have been a part of that and still part of it, because it's still ongoing. It's only been out for about a week now. It's just been unreal. Absolutely unreal. So fun. And yeah. uh, I love that she is also has this multidiscipline kind of idea and creativity is her drive. Oh, yeah. And and she, I don't want to give too much away, but in the interview, she's talking about how one of her major assets is knowing how to build things from the hardware store, <laughs> which you wouldn't imagine like someone who's a baker, but what she's doing is so far beyond baking. Right? Oh, I know. She dropped that in really into the, really early into the talk and it just floored me. Like, I think I, I probably show that as well not only in the audio version but the video too i was like what you you're in the hardware store for hours on end and she's like oh yeah it's you know there's more to hyper realistic cake making than just like the the cake itself there's nuts and bolts and all sorts of stuff and to be like an engineer or a carpenter yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. Right? so it was just yeah as as i was exploring it all and just having fun with it i just i, I knew sometimes you just know when uh, when you've got a good talk going on and I was pretty sure that this one's going to uh, or would resonate with a lot of people. And I think uh, the people who are able to find it and tune into it uh, are certainly enjoying it. So, yeah. Now, you you mentioned that one of the, the common themes seems to be technology. Mm. And you have interviewed um, IT people. Um, do you come from that background? Is that where it comes from? No. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, I just sort of. Yeah, just an everyday guy in terms of that, just trying to, you know, I have a basic understanding of it. But no, I, I don't have any IT stuff. Yeah, there you go. IT uh, analyst right there. Um, that, it's, a, it's another joy of doing this is that I, well, coming back around to the research on some of these guests, there's areas that might not necessarily be my forte. And I don't know a lot about those areas, but that's also sort of the fascination with it as well as I get to learn a little bit more about it. 
um, a little bit of pressure at times too, because you have to get up to a certain point where you can actually hold a conversation and be able to ask intelligent questions and, and have some retorts back on some of the things that the comment or the, uh, the guests would say. But um, yeah, I didn't and uh, I, I didn't have a background in it, but uh, yeah, sort of. Yeah. It. Isn't isn't that hard when you feel a bit intimidated? Because even when you do the research, you're like, I still don't understand it. You know, am I going to be yeah. able to do this? There's uh, yeah, I've got a couple <laughs> guests coming up this spring where I yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna lie. I've got this guy. Uh, I won't say his name just yet, but he's a he's a serial entrepreneur. This really like a big shot serial entrepreneur, and one of his. Uh, one of his companies, I highlight that, is within cryptocurrencies. And I have a basic idea of blockchain and what that's all about. But yeah, I, I, in terms of researching that and putting that one together, that's that's one that yeah it makes me a little bit nervous going into it. But uh, you know, you just gotta you gotta get into it and research and uh, and study up on it as much as you can. And then I've got another one within law. Um, this this guy who's a general counsel for a major Japanese corporation, and he also was uh, within a, a U.S. conglomerate as well as the sole general counsel. He was the top guy. Um, so yeah, that's another area that I don't have a ton of background in. But you know, again, I've never been one to shy away from digging into all that stuff and just the researching and, and learning. So you know, you, you you do the best you can do. And I think as a talk show host, your job. Yeah. is to simplify it right that's it so that's it. your and your goal is to get the underlining key principles out that you is don't it. need to do like a master's class no, in no. what is full stack engineer or right. you know cryptocurrency or these really difficult topics you you're trying to get the key underlining principles yeah. right you, you want to make it accessible right and to make it accessible, it has to be on a level that somebody who's just tuning in would be able to kind of take in and, and digest, you know, so that, that that's something I constantly remind myself when I start to get a little bit stressed out here. But, uh, but definitely that that's first and foremost, you know, you're, you're always trying to think of your listenership and, you know, again, making it accessible uh, for them, and what, uh, what they would expect to hear. So. Yeah. And uh, before we started, you also talked about it's it's a great networking tool, right? You're reaching mm -hmm. out to people you're really interested in and you don't you don't know what opportunities that's going to open up. But like sending your media kit, uh, sending your resume, you know, the more you reach out and interview people or even reach out and don't get the interview, it's still a positive mo move forward into the career that you want to develop, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, like you, you know, I'm on LinkedIn as well. And uh, within LinkedIn, I mean, uh, there's the free versions and there's paid versions. And, you know, I'm on a free version. But at times you'll see like, that'll give you stats and stuff. Uh, you know, who's viewing your profile, how many people are viewing it. And of course, in doing this, you know, just those numbers have just started to go up significantly and then at times it'll show you exactly who it was and other times it'll just say like well somebody from this industry or it'll give like a professional title of somebody who's viewed you know what you're doing so you're, you're starting to get an idea or a feel for who might be interested in your work and um although like i don't have a, a personal motivation right now in terms of trying to like angle myself into a particular career with this um like say working for another corporation because i'm quite enamored with what i'm doing right right now within this program um, just last week, I think there was somebody 
like a, a broadcasting executive or something who, again, there's no name attached to it, but the fact that it's still attracting that type of attention just sort of illustrates your point, you know, that if you put yourself out there enough, you know, things will start to kind of come back to you in different ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect. And yeah, that, that's not something that I was aiming to do, but it's starting to you know, organically sort of evolve and, and, and occur, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you describe yourself? It's always hard, right? Like we started the show with a definition that just does not fit at all for what you're doing. Um, this is your link tree, uh, which we'll share the link below. I think it should already be there. Mm -hmm. um, you've got your website. You're very active on different social media. Um, which do you like? Which platform do you like using the most? Oh, that's a good question. It's a tough question as well. I mean, uh, yeah, they, they're so different. And that's also something that I'm learning as well, the types of audience that, that you engage with. Like on, on LinkedIn, the types of discussions that you can have there are fun because they're like, well, for me at least, they're focused on the, the professional side of things, um, which for me is, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. But then also too, like on something like Twitter, it's it's quick, it's simple, it's easy. And that's my biggest following at the moment is over there. But then also too for like the the creative side um, and sort of like the the artsy side of it as well. Um, I enjoy Instagram, although it's one of my smallest right now. I just you know again started that channel uh, or that that uh, that feed not too long ago. So I yeah I haven't even cracked a hundred followers. I don't think I'm on that one yet. But but I enjoy that one because it's you know I I enjoy the uh, the, the the art to it all as well. You know and having some of these pictures out there and even just like when you're creating your own stories and, and putting those things together. Um, it allows me to exercise a different part of my brain, I suppose, in uh, the creative side of it all. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could really give you a straight up answer. I kind of danced around your uh, your question there. But yeah, I like them all for different reasons, I guess. And Facebook, too. I mean, Facebook is is one that is nice to just connect with, you know, friends and family and, and you know, share what's going on. And I like the personal sort of nature of Facebook. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you, like me, you are on different, many different platforms and you'll start to uh, see the characteristics which are different for each platform and the kind of people that yeah. like using only those platforms. Um, but it's always a difficult question when people say, how many followers do you have? And you're like, mm. on where? Right, right, <laughs> or right, what's right. your most popular video or popular episode? on which platform like they're exactly. all different in which kinds of topics are most popular are you finding that as well oh for sure for sure um and not only that i was just having a conversation about this recently maybe yesterday or so with somebody in terms of like how you're contacting people and how you're reaching out and trying to find different types of guests as well you know sometimes like this particular platform that you <laughs> know that you had been using had been quite fruitful and you want to continue that but then also you found a guest via email but that person wants to communicate on whatsapp like the app that's primarily used within north america and then you have some guests here within japan that are online that want to communicate that way you start a conversation on facebook messenger and then it needs to go over into email because like just the sharing of files and like it's all of this as well that you have to, you have to manage um so i've been like having to learn different programs like like apps as well like whatsapp like that one in particular like i'd never used but there's been a couple of people in the last few days at least uh, north american guests that uh that want to communicate that way so you kind of have to dig into it there but yeah in terms of 
all the different platforms and, and what it entails. That's another sort of like hidden side to all of this. But uh, I guess you could frame it in a positive way. It's a learning experience and you're, you're constantly growing and evolving in that sense. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you're doing one episode a week. What is your long vision goal? Are you thinking at least one year or at least 100 episodes? Or do you have any kind of target in mind? Not a number. I kind of want to do this as long as I can, to be honest. I mean, it, it represents so many so many things as I've spoken about in this in this uh, chat already that like, I don't know, like stopping it now, what what would that be doing? Like I'm, I'm having great conversations with my daughter for one. And as my younger daughter gets older, hopefully with her too. So then, like there, there's years right there, you know, and where they can just be exposed to different worlds. So like that unto itself would make it a worthwhile sort of initiative just to continue on for that reason alone. But then outside of that, I think, you know, if I was looking at eventually finding ways of turning this into a business and, you know, consistency is key, right? You just have to keep putting it out there and keep growing it and going and going and going. And in these short three months, the the amount of growth that I've had of the show, I'd say itself. And then for me personally and professionally, it's been great. So if, you know, I kind of like add that into the equation if I just keep doing this over and over, say I do this for five years, 10 years, 15 years, like where, where could that lead? You know, and that's, that's incredibly exciting for me to, to think of, or to even entertain those sort of notions. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly aware of, and I would like it to grow into something like that where I can, you know, make a living off of it, but there's just so many other reasons like non-monetary, you know, uh, motivated that make sense to just keep, driving it forward uh, that, I don't know, I, I'm not going to set a limit on it because I just want to keep doing it until it feels, or as long as it feels right. And at the moment, I don't see why it wouldn't. So I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Christopher, for joining today and giving us some insights on your wonderful podcast, talk show, mm, and videos, Life as a. Thank so I you. encourage everyone to check it out. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah. Thanks so much, JJ. And also, too, really just want to you know, add this again. You know, JJ is going to be on my show. We're going to go right into a recording on Life as a. After this, it will be recorded, but uh, keep an eye out for it because it's going to be coming out in the spring, too. So, yeah. Just a, a final shout out to two more uh, comments from people on social media. While we're live, Allison says, your website looks beautiful. So simple and great photos. Can't wait to listen. Awesome, oh, Allison. Matthew says, are either of you using notes? It's a blogging site that he sees for academics, professionals, and students. Good tip. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I'll check that out. Thanks, everyone, for joining, and have a great weekend. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks, AJ. Bye-bye.
show my tears to you. I'm stronger. I dropped the armor. Now I'm bolder.